Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. I'm excited to have you all back for another exciting episode, and, um... Y'all, I I need to start off right off the bat here um, with uh, with cleaning some egg off of my face. Uh, So last week I was talking about the panda bear situation in the United States, and I was going through the list of facilities that still have pandas. And I said, Zoo Atlanta has two pandas. And y'all. Zoo Atlanta has four panda bears. They have the the two parents and the the two siblings who are, you know, the offspring of said parents. And last time I checked, two plus two still equals four. Um, but oh man, I I just I just wasn't thinking about that fact. I I I failed. It's extra amusing to me because way back in season one, I did an interview with my good friend Danica, who used to be a panda keeper at Zoo Atlanta, and we talked about the panda bears there, and we talked about all four of them and their individual personalities and what the the cubs were like growing up and and all that stuff. So um, ball officially dropped. But I do want to thank the people who reached out to remind me of that fact, um, because that was very kind and everybody did it very nicely, which I appreciated. Uh, I do these episodes all on my own. Um, Zoe edits them when she can, but often I record Zoo News so late that she's not even able to. So uh, this this is a one man, um, you know, work of recording and editing and releasing and Mistakes can happen. I try not to let them. But thank you all for being understanding. But there are four panda bears at Zoo Atlanta. And uh, if you didn't know that, you can go and, and check out that episode way back in the first season and, and learn all about them. Maybe, maybe I should go and listen to it again as well. The other big news to uh, come into play in my life this week is, uh, I don't know if you saw it on the socials, but uh, I'm officially getting a new puppy. Uh, Zoe and I are getting a puppy named Flam. She's a female mini Aussie. She is a black tricolor mini Aussie. And um, she's just she's just amazing. We've gotten to spend some time with her and bond with her a little bit. And uh, she's she's just gorgeous and sweet and playful. And um, I think she's going to be a lot of energy, but hopefully a lot of cuddles as well. But uh, it's really exciting to be adding a new puppy to the family. Um, For those of you who have been following along, our our dearly beloved Caleb passed away back in October and um it was it was very very sad it was actually when Zoe and I were on our honeymoon and so uh you know we took some time to grieve and and have been fostering some dogs and and doing some other stuff but uh we felt it was time and so now um the the spiritual heir to Caleb has arrived <laughs> 
and will officially be joining the family uh, next Sunday. So a little over a week from when y'all are hearing this, if you listen live. So yeah, four panda bears, one new puppy, and um, also a couple of reminders. Make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of the main Rasafari podcast, which drops on Tuesdays, or Zoo News, which drops every Friday, uh, as well as some of our bonus episodes in the upcoming Rasafari Conservation Tales series that I'm going to be dropping soon. Uh, also, make sure that you are following along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at uh, Rasafari. And um, at uh, Rossafari Pod on TikTok. Also, remember that you can tag me in any of those places or email me Zoo Newsworthy Stories, uh, rossafaripod at gmail.com. And uh, whether I use the stories or not in the weekly Zoo News episodes, I will say your name at the end of the episode. So, yay, that. Um, and, you know, I've started putting in little post-credits moments on some of my episodes, and uh, this week is no exception. There's a story that probably isn't really Zoo Newsworthy, but that I wanted to drop in here. So um, if you stick around to the end of the credits, you're, you're going to get a laugh. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. All right, let's get to it. All right, y'all. So um, one of the biggest things making news this week is that the Dolphin Company announced a partnership with a private group known as Friends of Lolita, uh, which has the intention to take the 58-year-old Orca. Uh, uh, she's kind of known as Lolita, and that's like her show name, but she actually has a real name, which is Tokite, which uh, she's often called Toki by those that love her, from her home, which is the Miami Seaquarium, and move her to a sea pen in the Puget Sound and hopefully eventually re-release her according to them? Question mark. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail here. I am working uh, on talking to many of Toki's former keepers. I've even spoken to some current keepers off the record and to other experts in the field. And I'm trying to put together something for y'all, uh, a bonus episode. No promises, but I'm working really hard to try to do a deep dive on this and maybe even bring a voice or two other than mine to it. Um but this is bad. The The last time we tried something like this, um, the, the whale died and had all kinds of behavioral issues beforehand. The, the transportation alone could could kill Lolita here. So um, it's just not good. There's also the fact that they're talking about moving a couple dolphins with her that in the press release they referred to as her pets, which is the grossest thing I've ever heard and causes all kinds of problems. Now, I've talked about Toki on the uh, podcast before, and I mentioned there's all kinds of weird beliefs about her in the, you know, anti-captivity community or whatever, um, including that there's this kind of rumor that her mom's alive and she'll get to just go live with her mom. And there's literally no even kind of close to scientific fact 
in that. It's just a thing. It's a rumor, it got said. But anyway, this is turning into the long rant that I didn't want it to because I'm really, really, really pissed off about this. But if you see anything about that and you think, hey, maybe, you know, maybe one of those people who isn't anti-captivity but questions orcas in captivity or has has an issue with it or whatever, um, I'm gonna try and bring you more on that. But there is a lot of stuff out there right now that um that'll show you just how bad this is. So yeah, uh, more to come on this, but um, this this is bad. But to go to a much 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 lighter subject, uh, this last week was April Fool's Day, and you may have heard a little bit of an April Fool's drop from Rasafari with uh, with Miles and I. We had a lot of fun making that one, y'all. I hope we didn't freak anybody out too much. I, I definitely heard from some of you who who believed my incredible professional acting at the beginning of that and really thought the podcast was not going to keep happening. I apologize, but also lol. But um, a lot of zoos had fun with April Fool's this year. Uh, I saw some really great posts and I wanted to highlight a few of them just because they were uh, fun. Uh, The Naples Zoo posted a thing where they, quote, showed people drawing the stripes on zebras and said that they don't have a clouded leopard or any zebras. They're just house cats and horses that they paint, which was really adorable. Roger Williams Park Zoo announced the birth of a triceratops, and they actually showed um, the triceratops in the vet hospital in an actual incubator. It was obviously a toy triceratops, but just, again, really funny, really well done. Uh, Our friends at the Trevor Zoo at Milberg School announced that they are expecting dragons. And they they showed a dragon egg. It was it was really awesome. And one of the things that cracked me up about this too was that they referred to baby dragons as draglets. And I happen to know that the person who posted this does listen regularly. And um, I called him out on it, and he got a kick out of that. So it's nice to see uh, Rasafari spreading into the zoo community a little bit, even if it is only discussing draglets. Um, yeah, the Smithsonian's National Zoo announced that um, at their Conservation Biology Institute, they made a breakthrough in the recreation of a glyptodon, which is a prehistoric giant armadillo that went extinct nearly 11,000 years ago. Hilarious. Um, Oh my goodness. Adventure Aquarium in New Jersey did this thing where they said that they're worried about keeping their keepers enriched, their biologists. Excuse me. They use the term biologists there. And so they, um, they had their biologists doing behaviors that, that are normal, like animal enrichment things. And my favorite one was that one of them was painting and, and they did it just like they do, um, you know, painting for animals. So uh, one of the biologists there got paint smeared on her nose and then rubbed it on a canvas. And uh, I just, I love absolutely everything about that. The St. Louis Zoo announced that they now have giant pandas, but it was just a really, really, really big red panda. Um, yeah, there are just so many of these. The San Francisco Zoo announced that it was a blue panda awareness day and posted a picture of a red panda only painted blue. And, um, our (laughs) friends at Aquarium of Niagara announced Miles for Muscles, a 5k benefiting the conservation of zebra muscles. And, um, 
it was really, really hilarious. Um, they, they basically, um, on their, their third page of their announcement, uh, they had some quotes about it and they said, why would we ever do this president and CEO? This is literally the worst idea. Director of animal care. They are horribly invasive. This is the exact opposite of appropriate messaging. Director of education. And why do I let you do these things? My boss. Happy April Fools. These are just some examples, but I really, really, really loved all of the uh, the April Fool's fun that zoos took part in this year, in, in part because, you know, it wasn't the kind of stuff that was hurtful. It was just silly and led to a good laugh. And while we're on the subject of things that are good for a laugh, if you go to basically any of these facilities, uh, Instagrams or Facebooks right now, you're going to find that a lot of the zoo community is playing with the new um, Barbie posters that came out. So if you don't know, there's a Barbie movie coming out and they have released these posters that have the Barbie logo and little sayings about each Barbie above their heads and then just a picture of them. And so people at aquariums and zoos and such have been replacing those with um, pictures of the animals there and, and their own little captions about them up top. And it's adorable and well worth checking out. Also, am I the only one who thinks that this Barbie movie is actually going to be hilarious and awesome and clearly meant for, like, adults to enjoy? This is very weird to me, but I'm actually excited about a Barbie movie. So, cool? All right, and now it's time to look at some hellos and goodbyes. Uh, our friends at the Beardsley Zoo in Bridgeport, Connecticut, have announced the birth of four North American river otter pups otlets uh, that represent the first time that baby otters have been born at the zoo in more than a decade. So that's really exciting. Um, and uh, four animals is like, you know, lots of lots of lots of new pups. I'm very excited about that. It is a first time mother, but so far she's doing a great job and is raising the pups or outlets without any help from the uh, staff at the zoo. So very excited about that, and congrats to the Beardsley Zoo. Congrats also to Wild Place. The Wild Place project is located in the United Kingdom, and they announced that they have uh, had the birth of three wolverines at Wild Place Project. The kids, or wolflets, uh, are currently doing very well hanging out in uh, the nests that their mother has made for them. Um, and this is the second litter that the mother named Alice has had. Uh, so yeah, this is this is pretty darn exciting. So far, they're doing super, super well, and hopefully that will continue. Congrats to everyone at the Wild Place Project. Congrats also to Safari West in Santa Rosa, California, on the birth of a baby white rhino or white rhinelet. Uh, it was born at 5.30 p.m. on April 2nd and is the first white rhino to ever be born at Safari West. Uh, the gender has not been shared yet uh, as they're planning on doing a gender reveal. But uh, this is really exciting stuff, y'all. 
The Oregon Zoo in Portland, Oregon, or Oregon, depending on how you pronounce it, I don't want to get yelled at, so I will say both, um, has welcomed three Rodriguez's flying foxes into its family. Now, flying foxes are bats, which makes the uh, official name of the babies um, pups, but I don't think they should be flying foxlets because that's misleading, so I'm going to call them batlets. So uh, congrats to the Oregon Zoo for these three new batlets. Um, and it, it's really exciting because flying foxes um, are a species that were almost completely uh, extinct, but have had a really nice comeback due to conservation work. Um, at one point in the 70s, there were fewer than 100 Rodriguez flying foxes in the world. So yeah, this is really exciting and very, very cool. And the bats are on display. If you happen to be in Oregon, gone, gin, gone. In sadder news, though, the Philadelphia Zoo announced that they had to say goodbye to their red-capped mangabay named Storm. Storm was almost 28 years old, making him amongst the oldest of his species in the world and the second oldest in any zoo in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, um, he has been suffering with chronic diabetes for a long time, and they, they did a great job managing it. But after a sharp decline in his health, uh, they, they had to decide to euthanize. Um, to be clear on how impressive 28 is, the species mean life expectancy under human care is 18. So we're talking 10 years past what you can expect in captivity, which is better than what's in the wild. So that's just wildly impressive. Storm actually lived at the Philadelphia Zoo since 1999. Um, and uh, he lived in the RAC, the Rare Animal Conservation Center. And um, man, I've spent a lot of time looking at Storm and hanging out and watching him be awesome. I'm I'm really, really sad about this. So condolences to everyone at the Philadelphia Zoo, but also props to the Philadelphia Zoo. They did something really cool uh, in their announcement about this, which which I just I don't see very often and I thought was was very special. So their announcement was very good and thorough and and beautiful and, and very much, you know, a, a PR person writing an announcement. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then they had two comments that they posted, which were different keepers giving their take on Storm and their feelings about Storm. And, and I'm not going to bother reading those all to you right now, but uh, it's worth checking out the, the Philadelphia Zoo Facebook and Instagram to, to see those. I think that is a beautiful thing. I think it's awesome that the Philly Zoo let their keepers um, express themselves and then just put their words out there. So uh, condolences, but also props to the Philly Zoo for handling this situation. I mean, and for giving Storm an incredible life. That's, that's just amazing. And the Franklin Park Zoo in Boston has announced that Kamaya, a 14-year-old lion at the zoo, is currently off exhibit and being treated for severe pneumonia as well as other health issues. The good news is that the treatments seem to be working, and while the lion is not out of the woods yet, 
uh, things are looking better every single day. So uh, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed that um, things will be going better still and that the pneumonia will clear up and that the underlying chronic medical issues they discovered will be something that they can manage to give Kamaya a long, healthy life. Next, we have two stories out of the Columbus Zoo. First of all, they have announced a complete redoing of their website, and it is awesome. There is a ton of really cool um, user features on the newly redesigned websites, which are, by the way, for the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. Uh, for the wilds, and even for Zumbezi Bay and their Safari Golf Club. You can tell which one of those I care more and less about. But I have to tell you, these redesigned sites look really good. They um, are really good for mobile, which is nice. I love seeing websites that are designed for the mobile experience. Uh, and, and they really seem to have put conservation messaging at the forefront of their website. The Columbus Zoo website gets 6.6 million unique visitors every single year. And so having that conservation messaging out there and having a really beautifully designed interface is is really important. And so I think that's really cool that the zoo went ahead and did that. I know that development like that takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And um, so I just, yeah, I think it's really cool and you should definitely go check it out. Speaking of things to check out at the Columbus Zoo, on Monday, April 10th, 2023, the um, Nocturnal Building and Aviary at the Columbus Zoo is officially reopening. I have always loved this building so much. I cannot wait to see the new work that they have done. Uh, they have done renovations to the interior and exterior. They have installed new props, engaging new signage, custom painted artwork. They have murals now. Um, and they even have projections uh, to try to teach you about the animals in, in this house. Um, now, this is a place where Glenn the Wombat lives, as as well as some binturongs and tree kangaroos, so you know I'm absolutely, absolutely in love with this space. And there's also a brand new weedy sea dragon habitat, and that's really, really exciting. And these are also, you know, weedy sea dragons. We've talked twice in the last couple of weeks about how places are finally having success breeding them. So will Columbus be next in this new habitat? We'll, we'll find out. But yeah, good time to go to Columbus, either virtually or in person. Congratulations are in order to Beth, an aquarist at Aquarium of Niagara, who recently passed her level two life support exam through the Aquatic Animal Life Support Operators Organization at the 2023 conference of that organization that has too long of name for me to say again, although I just said all of this, which was longer, and also apparently they go by AALSO. So, cool. But yeah, this is the kind of thing that just shows that there are aquarists out there who are going above and beyond in order to, you know, really take care of the welfare of their animals. It's a beautiful thing to see. It's 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 just something that deserves to be praised, you know? And so here I am praising it. Great job, Beth. Oh, and by the way, y'all, you're going to be hearing from Aquarium of Niagara like real soon. Get excited. Here's a kind of cool one. So um, the Naples Zoo hosted several staff members from other zoological facilities uh, across Florida 
to learn how to build new and exciting enrichment with hose to habitat. So a lot of the enrichment items that you see in zoos are actually made out of retired fire hose. And it is like a real skill to be able to braid that stuff and work with it. It is not the easiest material to play with. So, um, yeah, the staff from Naples Zoo uh, were joined by staff of Zoo Miami, Zoo Tampa, SeaWorld Orlando, Safari West, Palm Beach Zoo, the Lemur Conservation Foundation, the Florida Wildlife Hospital, and Clearwater Marine Aquarium. And they all worked together on how to repurpose and create enrichment items with donated fire hoses. Uh, It's just really cool, and I love seeing the Naples Zoo hosting this and so many facilities taking advantage of it. Think of all the animal enrichment that is going to come from that one day. The Maryland Zoo recently announced that they have activated their Wildlife Response Fund. This is a fund that empowers the zoo to provide fast-acting support when disasters, accidents, weather, and other emergencies threaten wildlife. This year, the funds have been allocated to the European Associations of Zoos and Aquariums for Ukrainian zoo relief during the ongoing war there, and also to Sankob, which uh, was in a state of quarantine due to avian influenza breaking out in their area. And I know we talked about that on a previous episode. So it's just really cool to see um, the Maryland Zoo being able to send money to these places in need. It's very cool. Every year, the Henry Villas Zoo in Madison, Wisconsin, finds itself with a surplus of old zoo t-shirts. Maybe they ordered more, um, you know, various run-at-the-zoo type shirts than they could sell, or they're moving on from certain uh, things in their gift shop, and they just they have these shirts that they can't get rid of. Well, uh, for the last three years now, the zoo has been upcycling old zoo t-shirts turning them into adorable stuffed animals. And this year, they will be selling rhino stuffed animals for $35 at their upcoming Party for the Planet, which is happening at the zoo on Earth Day, which is April 22nd. Uh, They have pictures of these rhinos that are made from shirts, and y'all, they are really ridiculously painfully cute so i highly recommend checking out their social media and if you are able to get to the zoo on earth day uh grab yourself a stuffed rhino and maybe grab me one and send it to me maybe they're they're really cute y'all conservation conservation news time oh yeah All right, so we're going to start off our conservation news section with uh, not quite news stories, but a a couple of hints slash reminders. So um, it is starting to be the season where turtles in a lot of uh, my listening area are going to be coming out of their hibernation and starting to move around and move to mate and all those good things. So here is a friendly reminder that if you see a turtle on the road, please do something about it. And the key is to move that turtle in the direction it is heading in. Even if that means crossing lots of traffic and having to figure it out, don't just turn a turtle around. It's going to turn back around and and head back the way it was going and try to cross that road again. Also, don't take it like far away from where you find it because it will start to make its way 
back to that area again. And again, there are lots of roads. And finally, do not take them in as pets. That is a bad idea. So take the turtle, move it across the road in the direction it was heading, and uh, tell it you love it very much. And so does John from Ross Safari. And you'll be doing a you'll be you'll be doing a solid to that turtle. And if you actually say that to me as well. And while we're on the subject of things happening right now, uh, Easter is coming up for those who celebrate. And just a friendly reminder that that plastic Easter grass that goes into a lot of Easter baskets is really not good uh, for the environment. It's plastic. It's non-biodegradable. It gets into birds' nests because they think that it is not plastic. It gets into waterways and oceans. It gets into fish and turtles. And it's, it's just bad. If you're really set on having some cute Easter baskets, like no judgment, they make paper Easter grass now. And it's biodegradable and, you know, it's just better overall for the environment. So if you're going to do Easter grass, please do the paper one. And also don't forget to check out our friends at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo who have been posting their palm oil approved candies and uh, that you can go and get the the palm oil app that they offer to make sure that the Easter candies that you buy are are not going to, you know, wipe out orangutans in the process. We've talked a lot on the podcast about that Florida has a real problem with uh, pythons, which are an invasive species that are just thriving in the Everglades and wreaking all kinds of havoc in the process. And we've talked about some ways they're being taken care of. But one interesting thing is that geoscientists are saying that uh, alligators and pythons are absolutely at war with each other at this point. Makes sense as they're going after a lot of the same prey. Um, but recently, a Florida woman recorded an alligator body slamming and then devouring a python in the Everglades. And this is just the latest viral video of one of these species dominating another. Uh, it goes back and forth. But like this is like a real war that is happening in Florida right now, which really illustrates how problematic invasive species are. It's it's easy to look at a red-eared slider and be like, oh, so pretty, so cute, not causing any issues, even though they do. They're an invasive species. But uh, yeah, when you see alligators and pythons going to war, like this is some kind of crazy cocaine bear fueled sequel or something, um, then, then yeah, you, you can really see how bad an invasive species can be. Scientists working off the coast of Japan have managed to capture images of the deepest swimming fish ever caught on camera. It's known as a snailfish, and it does not look like a snail. It actually kind of looks like an axolotl, maybe one dressed up with uh, some extra ruffs, like if it was going to a party in the 1860s. That's my scientific way of describing it, which is why I'm a conservation educator and not out in the field doing this stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's an unknown snailfish species. There are other snailfish out there uh, that was found more than 27,000 feet down. That is absolutely astonishing. The team who got these pictures has been attempting to study deep snailfish for over 15 years. So very exciting for them. Very cute, cool, weird looking fish. And um, 
you know, everyone always says the next frontier is is space, but um, I don't know, y'all. I think there's a lot more going on in the ocean that we don't fully know or understand, and it's probably a little bit easier to figure out getting down there. But uh, on the other hand, maybe we should just leave all this stuff alone since we kind of do tend to ruin whatever we do touch. And then last but not least in conservation news this week, there's interesting evidence now that um, we're screwing up the planet in yet another way. Uh, It seems like birds are starting to catch rides on ships. And it's not just putting individual birds in weird places. This may be the reason that we've heard of some birds that seem to be very, very far off course showing up in in weird random places all around the world that I've talked about on here. But also it may actually be changing the way that birds at large migrate. They might be taking shipping lanes in the ocean and such into consideration and figuring out where they can go to catch a ride and then figuring it out from there. Um, This, I guess, could end up being a good, bad or neutral thing. We don't really know yet. But um, it's it's definitely uh, interesting to think about birds and mass adapting to human shipping lanes and then, you know, putting them to work for the birds. Uh, again, whether whether that's a good thing or not, I have my own thoughts, but um, we don't really know yet. But uh, it, it can definitely lead to some invasive species and some changing of habitats and, and all that good stuff. So interesting to see the myriad ways that humans are affecting the planet without even thinking about it sometimes. So there's currently a squirrel going viral online because uh, some people taught it to ring a bell when he wants a snack. And um, it's it's very cute. Squirrels are very cute. But that's like a really bad and irresponsible thing to do. Don't feed wildlife. Don't train them to come to your place for food. And especially because these are microbiologists at the University of California, Berkeley, who trained this squirrel to ring bells. And um, it's just really, really gross. I'm, I'm disgusted by it. I'm disgusted by the fact that it is getting mostly positive press coverage. Uh, these microbiologists should knew better. And uh, I hope this doesn't uh, encourage a lot of copycats who, you know, then also don't continue to take care of the wildlife and and maybe tame it or or make it more domesticated. And then it goes and approaches other humans like this is just not an OK thing to do. So uh, if you see it, Feel free to watch, feel free to giggle, but also know that this is not an okay behavior and these people should really know better. Speaking of cute animal things at schools, though, the University of Lincoln officially opened a new science lab recently, and one of the resident tortoises there was the person who did the ribbon cutting. They they held the tortoise up and the, the tortoise bit through the material and officially cut the ribbon. And it was really, really cute. And um, I also hope that a lot of people don't go and grab random tortoises and try to cut ribbons. But I think that's less likely than than people trying to feed squirrels. So just another cute little thing. Animals are awesome. In Alaska, a man named James West was driving past a pair of dumpsters when he saw a moose 
chewing on a plastic bag. The moose was stumbling, chewing profusely, and foaming at the mouth. While the man's first instinct was to contact animal control, he figured that time was of the essence, and he ran to the moose and started to remove the plastic bag, which was already all the way down the moose's throat. West was able to remove the plastic bag without causing harm to himself or to the moose. Uh, and then um, he found a pumpkin that was nearby that he gave to the moose to eat instead of the plastic bag and then spent the next hour hanging out near the moose, watching it eat and play with the pumpkin. The world simply needs more James Wests. And I love this story so much and I wish it was me. But I'm so grateful that James was there, not only able to save this moose, but then to give it a pumpkin and enjoy it, playing with it and eating eating it. Amazing. There was another train derailment this past week, and um, it didn't make it into conservation news only because in this case, it didn't spill crazy biochemicals that wiped out a bunch of wildlife and, uh, you know, caused a bunch of needs for conservation organizations to jump in and save animals and plants and all the things. Instead, the train that derailed was carrying... Coors Light and Blue Moon, two different types of beer. So while there weren't a bunch of toxic chemicals leaking into the ground, there was a whole bunch of beer. Uh, and, and while there weren't a bunch of animals being killed by it, there were a bunch of animals that had a lot of fun that night. Really, really concerned about the infrastructure in our country and the fact that trains seem to be derailing every week. But uh, at least this one's kind of kind of funnier. And, and so that's that's better, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I just like the idea of like some drunk frogs hanging out. That's all. And last but not least in other news, a woman who went to the Cape Lookout National Seahorse seashore. I read seahorse. I'm leaving this in because I'm an idiot. Uh, a woman who, who went to the Cape Lookout National Seashore, I should maybe get out more and read a little bit less about animals, uh, which is in North Carolina, walked up to and stood by a wild horse and then put her hand on the animal as she posed for a photo with it, because of course she did, a wild horse. Shockingly, the horse was not a huge fan of this and kicked the woman, which is pretty great. Um, and then on top of that, the uh, National Seashore Haha, see, I said it right. Reported that these visitors were cited for wildlife harassment. Uh, they actually posted uh, an image of, of this happening with the woman's head uh, blocked out. So that was that was pretty great. I also loved there was a comment. So they blocked out the head and somebody commented and said, why block out her face? She deserves to be seen. It should be part of the penalty. And another commenter answered, that's how she really looks. She's a blockhead. So, yeah, she's a blockhead who petted a horse, got kicked, and got fined. And uh, that makes me happy. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Hey! Happy.
happy Passover to everybody who is celebrating. And now let's get to our animal holidays for the week. Okay, y'all. So it is officially April, which means it is Ape Awareness Month and National Frog Month. And then this podcast is releasing on April 7th, which is the last day of National Wildlife Week and is also International Beaver Day. Then on the 8th, it's Zoo Lovers Day and draw a picture of a bird day so i guess go draw a picture of a bird then on the ninth it's unicorn day continuing my incredulity at all of this and is also the start of canadian wildlife week the 10th is gopher tortoise day and i recently got to see some of those in florida it was awesome and hug your dog day and i will I will hug my dog. I will hug both my dogs. I would hug all three of my dogs, but I won't have my third one yet, sadly. It's also Narwhal Day. The 11th is National Pet Day. The 12th is World Hamster Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, folks, there you have it. Uh, another lovely episode of Rossafari Zoo News. Uh, don't forget that you can become a patron of the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari. And I'd like to say thanks to all of my patrons, especially my Red Panda level patrons, Lara Shank and Kristen Dickey. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's episode. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirk, Patrick, Kevin Williams, Dr. Zoe Rossi, Michael Sebastian, Liz Dunlevy, Peter Oilo, Dylan Hoy, Heather Baker, Emily Rockbuck, and Nora Beardsley. Thank you all for contributing. I appreciate y'all so, so much, and I appreciate all of you for listening. Don't forget, we have a fun, silly, slightly irreverent uh, bonus story coming up for you after the credits. But uh, before we get to that, I should tell you that the words newsy credits backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Okay, y'all. So last but not least in Zoo News this week, and I'm, I'm probably being naughty for reporting on this. But okay, so I have talked about the Cincinnati Zoo member HQ group, which is only for Cincinnati Zoo members. And I, I love it there. There's lots of good, but there's also a lot of eye roll moments. Today, there was a post that said, FYI, must be Satan Day at the zoo. Satanic imagery... Pictures slash clothing on several groups. Just a heads up. As you can imagine, this post got destroyed. I was actually the first one to get a comment in. I happened to be there in the group when it got posted. And I just said, 
The best news is that Satanic members get in an hour before the zoo opens to the general Satanic public, because they do have days that they do that for normal members at the Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, but yeah, lots of people had lots of fun, lots of ha-ha reactions, and eventually the post got deleted. Um, but just so y'all know, if you're listening to this the day it came out, just yesterday, according to someone, it was Satan Day at the zoo. Or should I say, it was Satan Day at the zoo. Or maybe Satan Day at the zoo. Anyway, I just want to be clear and say that the Cincinnati Zoo absolutely had nothing to do with that. But oh my, oh my, oh my. It was so good. Satan Day at the Zoo, y'all. <laughs> 